Welcome to Cardiology, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Judy, and we're here once again, unfortunately, to talk about a Browns loss. Um, another heartbreaking day for everyone out in Cleveland Browns Nation. Um, just a real tough game. A lot of different circumstances, a lot of weird circumstances that even led up to the game, um, but also just to just a rough one to watch. Um, joining me today as my co-host to kind of help me um, navigate through these shark-infested waters is <laughs> my good friend, Gary Marr. Hey, Gary. Welcome to hey, the Mark. show. How hey, are you? Glad to be back. I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'll say, you know, except for the Browns, uh, everything else is pretty good. <laughs> well, that can surely cu color a weekend for sure. Um, <laughs> well, Let's get to it here, and um, just to kind of recap, um, you know, this past Sunday, the Browns fell 31-23 to 23, uh, against the Buffaloes in a game that actually could not be played in Orchard Park, New York. Um, there was a total of six and a half feet of snow that fell in Orchard Park over Friday and a little bit into Saturday. So they were buried. And so the game was moved to Detroit's Ford Field. Um, there were some positive notes. Uh, Jacoby Brissett recorded some season highs in passing yards with 324 and touchdown passes with three. Um, and he also had 116.3 rating. We also had uh, Amari Cooper who led all players in receptions with going for eight receptions for 113 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and then also added in there was Donovan Peoples-Jones with a touchdown grab. Um, on the defensive side, um, Jeremiah Usukormoa led the Browns with 12 tackles, while uh, John Johnson also recorded 10. So some some of the stats along there, but I think if you were watching the game, um, I don't know that all of those nice positive stats really set the whole picture for what we really saw in that game. Um, so, Gary, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you a little bit to start with. You know what what are your feelings out of what we saw uh, transpire up there in Detroit? Look, I I don't think um, I don't think anything we saw was a surprise. Really, it's it's all been kind of uh, unfolding throughout the season. It's the same stuff that we've seen every week. I think teams are getting better and better at exploiting the weaknesses. They're watching what other teams do against us, and so the the negatives are just becoming bigger and bigger because teams are getting better at exploiting those. And the, the you know one example being the run game. Uh, you know, we, we are just not able to stop the run. We have no run defense up to up the center there. Teams are running like crazy against us. Buffalo was no exception. I think they had two different running backs ran for over 85 yards each or whatever. They're, they're just um, crazy in terms of, of how many yards they're gaining on the ground versus, versus us. And uh, so that problem's been there. We saw that in the Buffalo game. Um, that That's a big problem. Special teams has been... A real big problem. I think they've been getting kind of a, a little bit of a pass because everybody's been talking about the defense so much and, and how bad the defense is. But really, special teams is awful this year. 
Uh, but we've got three blocked kicks. Uh, that's just uh, unheard of. And, and they're just not doing their job on special teams as well. And again, that's being exploited by other teams too. So yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anything that was a surprise in this game. Our offense continued to do pretty well. I think the only surprise I think that I saw in the game was, was Chubb uh, being a little bit ineffective and that's, uh, no, it's going to happen occasionally. There's, there's nothing to beat, beat Chubb up for. You know, he's got an off game. I mean, um, and this was certainly one for him. He was not able to gain much, uh, uh, you know, much traction on the ground there. But uh, you certainly can't blame this on him. Uh, but uh, that was probably the only surprising thing in the game. To me, everything else is just what we've seen leading up to this game then kind of magnified and um, and again, coaching. I, I just got to say, we're 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 just being out coached each and every week, and that's something I could go on for a long time about. But I think our coaches are doing a really bad job, not game planning because we seem to come out okay at the beginning of the game, but we are awful at adjustments. We just are not making the adjustments the other teams are, and uh, that that's giving them a huge advantage over us. And and Buffalo is a good example. They. They, they seemed to adjust really well, and that really was the turning point of the game was once they made a couple of adjustments after the beginning of the game, they just started to take control. Yeah, you know, as I was watching the game, I mean, I, a lot of us were probably really excited to start the game. Um, the Browns came out, and they were really energetic, um, and they were moving the ball, and and it looked like we were going to be in a really good position um, going into halftime. Um, and then, um, we had the fumble, the fumbled exchange, um, between, um, Jacoby Brissett and, um, our third string center, Froholt, who was in, um, because of Ethan Posick's injury. Um, and it just seemed like as soon as that happened, that we not only lost the momentum to end the half, but then we lost the momentum for the game. Um, and we seem to hit lose our feel for the entire game going forward. Um, which is really a shame because I don't know. Uh, yes, we, you know, you always hate a fumble, right? You always, you always hate turnovers. Um, but this turnover was not the end of the end of the game. I mean, we went into halftime only down three um, and really had what looked to be a good game plan. We had we had some running that was happening. It, it was tough running. I, I would fully agree with you that, we, that the, the yards weren't coming, but it was setting up quite a bit of play action that we were capitalizing on. Um, so, yeah, it we came out then in the second half um, and we got, we got outscored in the second half um, by an additional five points. So, you know, I think, I think I agree with you. I think coming into the second half, it really didn't look like we made many adjustments or many changes. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're someone who hangs your hat on the offense and says, well, the offense was clicking except for one problem. They didn't really need to change things up. I, I, I don't know that everything showed that. Uh, I think instead what you saw is because you were going to play the same game plan going into the second half, you got stonewalled um, in the third quarter. 
um, which once again, and I talk about this all the time, put us multiple scores behind and then just changes the dynamic of the game as a whole. Um, now, uh, I don't know what to say anymore about the defense. I just don't. I I don't know. I think it's charitable in some ways to say that they're not good at adjustments because they're not good at life right now. I, I don't I don't understand. And you know we get we get players on press conferences after the game, and they're making all these veiled comments about whether it's the coaches or whether it's other players saying things like it doesn't matter how hard you work if you don't know what you're doing. Um, come on. Like I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know that anybody on that defense has inspired in me the ability to either talk trash or believe that they are somehow better than anybody else on that team. And, and that includes the coaches. Um, I'm, I'm super frustrated at not only not, we've all been talking about Joe Woods all year long and it's gone right. up, it's gone down. It's been mostly down. This was another poor uh, performance. I'm really frustrated that he's not out on the mic very often. I, I I find it frustrating that when coordinators are supposed to have press conferences, that he barely is out there and he's got a lot to answer for. I mean, this is a, this is an extremely talented team and, and yeah, I don't think the players should be making comments unless they they man up and play. But at the same token, when they're saying things like they don't know what's going on or they or or they believe that there are other people on the defense who don't know what's happening, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense this far into the season. It just doesn't. It doesn't, but it's consistent. Over the last couple of years, we've heard that same thing, that the defense that as designed is confusing and we've never seen the players seem to have it down last year if you remember they had to simplify the defense towards the end of the season because there were so many mistakes joe woods came out and said that's what he was doing and he did um i and i think the fact that we've got players this year this far in the season you just had talking about the back players that know what they're doing that that is hugely problematic and and i think that's part of the problem is Woods has not adjusted uh, the defense to, to resolve that issue. He hasn't adjusted the defense at all. I'm not even talking in game adjustments because, yeah, that's that's uh, kind of a, a moot point on the defensive side. But he, he doesn't even adjust game to game right now with, with everything we've learned. We're just going out doing the same thing over and over again. And I agree with you. I'd love to hear him talk more at the press conference. But I think about you know, Stefanski, and he just says the same thing week to week. We don't really hear much at that that press conference, so I'm not sure that's going to make a big difference. I just want to see the coaches actually change, make some changes, you know, look at what's going on week to week and, and figure it out. I've said before, I don't take much out of Stefanski's press conferences one way or the other, because I just don't think you're going to get anything from, uh, from most uh, head coaches. Um, you know, you can look around the NFL and there are, there are multiple examples of head coaches who don't have anything to say, won't share anything, do the, sure, do the Bill basics. Belichick, you know, yeah. I mean, coaches never gives you anything in a press conference. Right. And, and so I, I don't mind that. What I mind is that it sure seems like nothing's happening off mic. 
doesn't seem like anybody has a fire under them back behind the scenes. So, you know, I'm fine if if Kevin Stefanski doesn't want to get on a mic in front of a bunch of sports writers and call out his players and, you know, call out his coaches. I I'm fine with that. But if he's doing it back behind the scenes, if he's calling these guys out and he's calling out his coaches and we still are getting this, uh, you know, that's just, it's unacceptable. It's, it's just flat out unacceptable. And, and I'm a big fan of his offense. I'm a big fan of how he typically calls a game. Um, you know, you scored 23 points on the Buffalo Bills, which was pretty good. Um, you know, you had a solid offensive day. You Where you got hurt was you couldn't run the ball the way you wanted to. Um, but you showed that you could pass the ball when when your run got shut down. So you were in this game. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to – at some point, you have to stop something. There's got to be something you stop. And it has – you have to be able to be multidimensional on defense. And And I just think that this Browns personnel, this Browns coaching staff – they only have the capability to focus on one part of the game and that's it. And the other part of the game goes to the side. Yeah. I mean, we're, so if you want to look at the stats and you want to look through, you held Josh Allen to 197 yards passing in one TD. I think if you told me that we were going to hold Josh Allen under 200 yards and only one TD before the game, I'd have thought, oh, well, we must have played in the snow. But we didn't. We played in the dome where they where a lot of their speed and a lot of their weapons were at play. But once again, because we we lock in on the pass, we we try to lock down these players. What happens in the rushing game? We get torched, torched by another team that's not known for rushing the ball. They rush for 171 yards. And normally, if I'm talking about Buffalo and I'm talking about their rushing game, I'm I'm prefacing it with, well, you know, Josh Allen, he puts up a lot of rushing yards and you got to kind of affect that greater. Not this time. We held Josh Allen to seven yards. But everybody else ran for over 160. It's, it's maddening. There's just no sense to it. Um, and the personnel, I, you know, I've, I've talked and I've hemmed and hawed a couple different times about the defensive line. Um, and I do think that the front office gambled and they lost big. They gambled that they could spend money in different places, including quarterback, and they could use their draft capital in different places and that they could get by with the defensive linemen who are already in the clubhouse. And that's just not, that's just not the case. These guys, these guys are pitiful and, and they don't have the ability to give us what we need on a consistent basis. And because of that, we're seeing miles Garrett with, with almost no effect on a game. And, and it's very easy to pick out and say, well, maybe that's miles Garrett's fault. And you know what? I don't know. Maybe there could be something there. But when you're the only guy who's a threat 
you're going to get double, triple teamed, and nobody gets double teamed more than Miles Garrett. So, but there's, True. since there's nobody else on that line that's even remotely a threat to even hold their spot, let alone get any pressure, I mean, there's nothing to be done. And so it doesn't matter how good the cornerbacks play. It doesn't matter how well JOK plays or the linebackers play. If if the entire defensive line can't get any pressure and can't stop a run at the line of scrimmage, you're host. Yeah. I think you know, one of the things, Miles Garrett's a great example. I think if you're really uh, trying to make him more effective as a defensive coordinator, uh, or, or even the head coach looking to the events, you've been moving, you'd be moving him around a lot more, uh, changing where he's coming from, things along those lines. But I think to your point, the front office holds a lot of responsibility in this. And I heard somebody else mention it this week, so I can't, can't claim this observation, but they, we, you know, we picked up uh, somebody off the practice squad, I think it was from Miami or whatever, and put him in towards the end of the game, a defensive line. He rated higher than all our other defensive linemen uh, that he replaced. And this guy that practiced a couple days with us was on somebody else's practice squad. That that's that's awful. I mean, it's great for him. It's good, great, glad he showed up and played. But the fact that we drafted these guys, we had all these other guys on our team all year long, and this guy comes in after a couple of days and plays them. That that's not good. And not good. Yeah, at all. and and so you know, I'm I'm a big believer. I mean, when you we, I think we can agree we're firing Joe Woods at some point, right? It's just maddening that it's not happening. I would have thought it got fired last year, so I, I can't I can't say for sure that's going to happen. Well, I think, uh, again, I think that they, the reason he didn't get fired last year was because at the end of the year, they did simplify and they did start to play. And the front office, once again, kind of took the gamble, said, okay, we're, we're, we got all this talent everywhere around. We don't have to focus on the defensive line. We'll we'll build them up. And they got they got pie in their face. And now Joe Woods is once again showing that he has these other flaws that he had last year. I think I think it's fair to say he's gonna get well, fired. There. Now, whether or not I don't know why it hasn't happened now already. Like I feel like at this point we've reached the futility stage that you know normally. I'm a, and I even said at the beginning of the year on the podcast myself that I didn't see any benefit to firing a defensive coordinator because who are you going to bring in and what other defense are you going to run in the middle of the year? At this point, the benefit I see is accountability. The benefit I see is that if these guys are going to get on the microphone and say they don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to play and there's going to be this cloud over, okay, well, let's wipe some of it away. Because we're not going to cut a bunch of players in the middle of the season. We need the bodies. So let's get rid of this defense right now. And and personally, I would be thinking in my mind, you gotta you gotta let the defensive line coach go, and you gotta let you gotta let Joe Woods go. Both of them gotta go. And I don't care how you coach defense; it doesn't really matter at this point. I don't care how you get through the rest of the season, but you got you got to make a statement at some point. And if you're not going to make that statement, um, I think you run the risk of poisoning the well beyond the season. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing it right now that they're starting to lose the locker room. And it, yeah, that's just evident in the comments that you're hearing, uh, you know, the the physicality of the, the defense. I mean, when you watch Miles Garrett sit on the bench when everybody else walks out, you know, they're losing the locker room. These players are are 
are starting to get um, depressed with how they're playing. They're, they're starting to get very unhappy with the situation. And I think that that's a big, big problem. And I think, yeah, I don't think they can play any worse if they get rid of Joe Woods. So I think the firing him midseason, let putting somebody else in charge at least brings that locker room back in. It will simplify, hopefully, the defense and should make us at least a little bit better for the rest of the year. And then you can figure out what you want to do from there. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him go. I, I think that um, I think at some point he does have to. And whether that's now or the end of the season, I guess we'll, we'll find out from uh, Stefanski what what his thoughts are. But um, I would say he's got to go before the end of the season, especially if next next week uh, or this game coming up, I should say, uh, we, we play the same. But, you know, I, I, I'm inclined to believe they're going to give him, you know, a couple more games just to see what happens, you know, when we have our QB change and, and see if that makes a big difference in terms of how hard the team plays. But I don't think that's going to be that big a difference as everybody thinks it is. Well, that's so that's the thing, right? So as we record this on on a um, on a Tuesday night, usually if we were going to make this kind of coaching change, if we were going to be firing a coach, we'd have done it like Sunday night, Monday morning. You'd have you'd have fired and moved on. So so I think it's fair to say nothing's going to happen this week. So you're getting in and this concept of, okay, well, maybe when Deshaun Watson comes into play, you know, maybe everybody will play harder. Um, Your current quarterback has thrown for almost 2,400 yards, 11 TDs, and only five interceptions and has a rating of 90.7. There's nothing wrong with Jacoby Brissett. He's out playing what any rational person expected. And so how we can think that Deshaun Watson's got so much talent that he's going to overcome, you know, blockheads on the defense. I don't, I don't see it because we go back through and, and we've talked about it on here. I really only think there's maybe one of these games that I really go back and look and say, wow, you know, Jacoby had a really bad game and wasn't made some really poor decisions. Um, He has done what we needed him to do. The offense has done what it needed to do to get you in a better position here. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, it sure lines up that they're planning on letting Joe Woods ride out the season. It doesn't seem to make sense to me that we would now go to Tampa Bay and if we lose in Tampa Bay, that you would make the move because now you're going to spend that whole week not only getting a quarterback up to speed, but also getting a defense back realigned. Doesn't make any sense. So to me, this is basically you, you maybe you're right. Maybe it's like a two game, you know, if you're not better by the end of the Houston game, you're gone. Um, but I just feel like we're what we're seeing is just an a front office, uh, ownership, uh, coaching staff that's just said, you know what, this year is this year, and we're just going to ride this out, and we're going to make all our changes later. And I just think, you again, you run the risk of creating so much damage in that locker room that the guys that you keep poison it. 
you know, you're going to let some of these free agents go. Some of these guys are not going to be here next year. There, there was never a plan to keep some of these guys, but the ones that stay are going to have a, a really bitter taste in their mouth. And there's, there's a huge difference between having a season where you're just straight out outclassed and you just don't have the pieces. We've gone through it multiple years as an expansion team. There's a different feeling as a player to play on that team than it is to play on a team where you know, everybody knows that you should be winning, that this shouldn't be happening. And when a season goes down the toilet and the only things you can point at are things like coaching and things like personnel, well, that's a, that's a, not a failure of the players and they feel it and they're going to feel it going into next year. And they're going to have a chip on their shoulders. That's not, Hey, we need to do better. It's going to be a chip on the shoulder that says this organization needs to prove it to us. And that's challenging. That's especially challenging when you've given away uh, a significant amount of draft capital for the players that you have on the team now. So this whole solving the defensive line, this is a, this is a major puzzle to try to figure out because you're, you're basically pointed painted into the corner of trying to find free agents to fill these spots. And you're not setting a really great environment for people to want to come play in. No, you're not. I'm not sure the free agents are out there to, to fill the gaps we have on that defense. So it's going to take you take you a while to, to fill those. So, yeah, that's an issue. And then I agree with you. If you, the longer you you ride this out, the more of those players you're going to lose, and the harder it is to get them back. And then the bigger the change you have to make, because you know, yeah, if you you ride the whole season and they're already disgusted now, and they they start to get more and more disgusted, and all you do at the end of the year is fire the defensive coordinator. I think at that point in time, you're going to have a hard time getting getting these players back on board. You're right. There's going to have to be either bigger changes, or they're going to just play that wait and see game and say we'll improve it. And that 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 makes your job a lot tougher to make this a winning team. Well, and I think we're we're at the point where I should be hearing from Andrew Barry all the time. I should be hearing why this strategy is going to keep playing out. I should be hearing from the Haslam's. Either one of them should be coming down and saying why. We are willing to keep doing this. Why are we going to keep driving this car into trees? And because, you know, this is, and for everybody who says things like Jimmy Haslam is a meddling owner. Okay. There's nothing that's more proof to me that he is not than letting this go. Because if, if Jimmy Haslam was the owner that we've all claimed he is, that he was a meddler, that he was just the side of Jerry Jones, this wouldn't, there's no way we would, we would at least fired somebody. And if we did, we might've, we might've just fired the whole group and started over. I mean, he's done it multiple times in the past. So for some reason they have decided this is the strategy. This is what they're going to do. And I think it really boils down to that they wrote off this season. I think I I, I think it's ridiculous, uh, but all all evidence seems to point to the fact that we wrote off the season. We basically said, "Hey, we're going to mortgage everything. We got to get this quarterback. We're going to hope that he doesn't get suspended, 
but he could get suspended everywhere from nothing to a full year. So we got to be prepared to just waste the season. And I think they got themselves in the mindset of wasting the season. And for some reason, they think that's a good idea. And I, and I, I can't even fathom why you would think that that would, I don't think, uh, how would that even I fly? I agree with you that I do think that that was their thought process going into this season that, Hey, this is, is going to be a wasted season, but I can't in any way imagine that this is how they thought it would go, that this is their plan to be this bad and to, to have the defense be so bad. So I, I do agree. I think that, that the thought coming into this was, Hey, with, you know, no, we're knowing about suspensions and things like that, that we're not planning to win the, anything this season, but I really think they, the plan had to be showing up more than this and they have to be concerned. You would, think i mean heck we, we drafted a kicker that real high and he's not performing all of those different pieces that go in somebody's got to be concerned somewhere whether that's andrew barry or, or haslam or whatever but uh, i would love to see or hear some of those interviews where people ask them the hard questions and they actually answer them but as we know that's probably not gonna happen well you know i think i think to kind of uh, put a bow on this i guess um you know I think you did say it right to start with that. I don't know that any of us were expecting a win. That said, I don't think we expected a loss that felt so hopeless. Mm -hmm. um, and if we did, we sure got our hopes set up at the beginning of that game. You know, if there's any applause to be given, you know, you know, we'll we'll cover that in our in our next segment here. Maybe try to see if we can piece together some players or some some good news out of this thing. But I think, you know, this really is just another game that felt within reach in a season that felt within reach that is now essentially lost. I mean, there's really not a path. Um, you know. We we keep talking about maybe division wins. Um, you know, let's just be honest. The the idea that we would run the table in the division the rest of the way is such a long shot with the way this team has been performing that it's it's almost comical every time I see on a on a little chart that we're in the hunt. It just doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, I, I just think we all have to, we have to buckle down. We have to realize that this, this season is probably lost. Um, and we're not going to have the same kind of off season we normally do. Usually when we lose a season like this, we spend the entire off season talking about what an awesome draft pick we're going to get. And instead we're going to spend the entire off season being annoyed at the awesome draft pick that Houston's going to get off of us. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just going to be a real, a real tough one. Um, and, and, um, you know, we're going to have to keep looking into it. Well, we're going to take this opportunity here to take a quick commercial break. Um, but when we come back, we are going to see if we can't pull some positive aspects out of this game and, uh, and kind of talk about what, um, what we saw that hopefully can help in the next game or maybe the next two games and, and see if we can get some, a little bit of hype 
as we head into the next week. So um, hang with us here. We're going to go ahead and we'll cut to a word from our sponsor. Hey, everybody, it's Mark from the Cardiology Podcast, and I have an important question for you. Does your garage make you happy? If your life is anything like mine, the space in your garage just goes to waste because of overwhelming and embarrassing clutter. I mean, with all the tools, the toys, the bikes, the equipment, and whenever you open that garage door, that mess just hits you right in the gut. But it doesn't have to be that way. The team at CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More wants to help you take advantage of every inch of space your garage has to offer with their full turnkey design and installation services for garage cabinets, flooring, and other storage solutions. But don't be confused. The solutions they provide are not the cookie cutter racks and plastic bins you find at all the big box stores. From showroom quality garage flooring to durable powder-coated wood garage cabinets, CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More has everything you need to turn your garage into the organized space of your dreams and have every one of your neighbors green with envy. So if you're tired of the mess and ready to bring the garage of your dreams into your everyday reality, you owe it to yourself and your family to check out all of the fantastic solutions CBs has to offer. You can contact Chris Burdett and his team today by heading to their website at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com or you can give them a call at 330-542-8416. On the site, you can request a free garage makeover guide packed with all kinds of great ideas and solutions that'll spark your imagination and help you visualize all of the potential your garage has to offer. It's time to feel the joy of a garage that meets all of your functional needs and looks fantastic too. Please let Chris help you make your dreams a reality today. Call him at 330-542-8416 or check him out online at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com and let Chris help you love your garage again. Welcome back to Cardiology, everyone. So we spent our first segment really talking about um, the bitter taste of the Buffalo Cleveland game, but let's let's kind of try to switch the gears a little bit um, and see if there may be some um, moral victories. Ugh, I hate that phrase, but moral victories that we can pull out of this game. Um, you know, I'll start with you, Gary. Are are there any particular uh, players or groups that you kind of watched in this game that you really think? Um, maybe showed us something worthwhile um yeah i mean it and i guess the same as i did on the negatives it's it's the the same thing i feel that we've seen all along i think our our team right now is kind of really settled in and the negatives are 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 there and they're getting bigger and the positives are there and they're they're getting bigger as well and i think when you look at it and you you've actually highlighted them uh previously I do think our wide receivers are a big positive. We've we've really shown that we've got good route runners. 
but we've got solid receivers. Cooper is the real deal. Um, he's, he's actually amazing. I, he's better than I, I thought he was when yeah. we got him. I, I thought it was a good pickup, um, but it was a great, uh, yeah. great pickup. I think oh. Amari Cooper probably one of the tops, if not the top receiver in the league. He's just he runs sharp routes. He catches the ball, holds onto it. Um, he's he's great, and we, we're using him, and he's getting the yards. And I think that's a big that's a big thing. That's important. That's gonna that's gonna do well for us. Uh, more importantly, though, is People Jones. People's Jones is coming along, and I think you know we were hoping uh, he's he's shown a lot in the preseason the last couple of years. We haven't necessarily seen all of that in games in, until now. And he is definitely progressing, uh, getting better every game. And that's big. I, th- I think we need him to do that. That helps take the pressure off of Cooper, makes Cooper a little bit better. Uh, but, but you need, you know, you need multiple receivers to go to. And I think having people's Jones out there doing his part is, is big. And then I've always been um, a Brissett fan, uh, you know, since the first game this year. Uh, I liked him in the preseason. I thought he, he really won the team on his side. And we were talking about this and the negatives of, the, of losing the team or whether, you know, Watson coming in, is that going to turn around? But, but honestly, I think Brissett is such a positive uh, influence in that locker room. Um, I don't know that, you know, Watson coming in is going to change the passion folks play for in terms of are they playing for a quarterback or not? I think those guys are playing hard for Brissett. So uh, I think he, he had a great game stats-wise, uh, QB rating-wise. He's, he's doing everything we're asking of, of him, and, and he seems to just getting more consistent each game, which is good as well. So, Yeah, I would, I would echo all those statements. I think that um, – I think with Amari Cooper – you know, like you said, I think I think we all knew he was a good receiver, but we've had good receivers come to this team and kind of die on the vine before. Um, yeah. So to have him perform the way he's performing with a career backup quarterback um, has shown that to me, I maybe thought that Amari Cooper was good, but that he was made by Dak Prescott. Um, and he is showing that that's not the case, that he is just that good. Um, and he has an ability to make his, make his quarterbacks look good. And, um, and he does that in, in the way he runs the routes and the way he gets separation and when he's open in critical times. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones, I really, I've just loved the consistency. I think that that is something, you know, we're not seeing, we we still don't have game-breaking speed on this team. But we do have guys that are making plays and getting open. Um, You know, you can argue that some of Donovan Peoples' long passes that he's caught this year should have been flat-out touchdowns. Um, And that's where, you know, Jacoby is not quite giving us exactly what you would one out of your starter, but he's completing the pass, which is which is a big part of the part of the issue. So that that's good things. Um, so I do think with Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones, you have something to feel good about. Um, you know, I still wish we were seeing more David Bell. I don't know that the offense is necessarily geared to show us much more of him. Um, but I, I just go back to you know this past game, five targets, four receptions. And every one of those four receptions was a tough reception. 
So yeah. uh, a guy who went through all a training camp being known that he could catch anything and was catching everything appears to continue to be able to do that. So hopefully that continues to grow over time. Um, and then your other point with Jacoby Brissett, I, you know, you couldn't expect more out of him. Um, I do think he gr- brings a lot of, of leadership and a positive energy. Um, but kind of like I referred to last week, I feel like, I feel like the offense has the leaders they need and has the focus they need and they, they're okay with not being loud and not being brash and just being focused in. And I think Jacoby has fed into that. He's taken the ownership of the microphone so that other guys don't have to. Um, mm-hmm. He's been, he's been humble. He's been um, everything that you were looking for to kind of bridge this gap that we have. Um, I'm going to miss seeing him on, uh, you know, because I really do feel, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm not blind to the fact that he is not a star quarterback um, and that he does get exposed in games at different times and that he does have a flaw in that he just doesn't have the skill set to take a team completely on his shoulders and, and push them through to a win. Um, but you know, he just, he, he provided so much to this team so far this year. And I don't think we're in any of these games with almost any other quarterback. I, I just don't think, you know, even those people who might be longing for our past um, with Baker Mayfield, I don't, I don't see it. I, I think that this was exactly the kind of guy you needed in this position at this time. And, and he's really come through for the team in that way. Yeah, you definitely need a leader in the role, and that, that's what he is. And I think, I think, yeah, and yeah, as you said, yeah, there's some limitations with skill set, but certainly his leadership ability has shown through, and I think that's helped him, you know, make up for some of that. And I think yeah. what he's done for himself is a he may have played himself into a starter role with some other team next year. Um, you know, some team that really needs a quarterback uh, might take an, a shot at him, especially if they're looking for a more of a game manager or things along those lines. They're gonna. They're going to give him a long, hard look. So, you know, we'll we'll see where he goes at the end of the season. But, but I, yeah, I've been glad we had him this year. And then I would probably say, so you know, I've been been ragging on the defense um, the whole beginning segment. Um, but if I were actually to go in and kind of look at maybe some positives out of this, um, the secondary did show up. Um, this was a tough task to um, keep the likes of Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, um, Isaiah McKenzie, guys who have a lot of speed, who then got to play indoor on turf. To keep up with them, we were short. Greg Newsom out with a concussion. Um, and so for us to stay in the moment, stay with everybody and, and play well, you know, that's, that's great. Um, I also think if I were going to call out any other member of the defense, which, which is hard for me this week, um, I would say, um, that the, um, return of JOK, um, was really big 
like I think that you could just see on the field that he was he was doing and he was playing the role that he probably really got drafted for uh spying on a running quarterback. Yeah. I think JOK his his big benefit to our team is his ability to play against the quarterbacks of our division. You've got you've got Lamar Jackson, um you've got Joe Burrow and potentially Kenny Pickett who all have the ability to move with their feet um, and having a guy who can move in space and kind of shut that down, I think is a big deal. And I think he had a really strong game and it was good to see him back. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what he was drafted for. And it is good to see him, see him doing that. So that, that is big. I think you're right on the defense that if you're going to look, look at that, our defensive backs had a great, great game and they, they, they keep stepping up. Um, and they're shutting down some of the harder receivers, uh, so that that's a good thing. So yeah, I, I, there are some a couple of bright spots on the defense you can look at. And if you're gonna if you're gonna go there and, and try and find some bright spots in, in areas we were beaten up on, um, I will mention special teams. Uh, the one thing we can mention about our special teams is Jerome Ford. Uh, we've got a pretty decent kick returner back there. He you know having him back there has, has shown that that he is definitely our best kick returner and and. Certainly got a lot out of him, uh, and that makes it a little, little bit of a difference. So if the rest of the special teams could play up to his level, uh, we'd be doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's just tough. Uh, you know, we've – not to get into negatives again or anything, but it's tough. You got a rookie kicker, and we – you know, I, we talked about him when he was drafted. We all love Phil Dawson um, in his mm-hmm. years here. Um, they didn't start very well. Um, and it took a while to get started. So I don't know if Cade York has that in him and, and can turn it around. I hope so. Um, but yes, I think in general, um, it is nice to have someone returning kicks. Um, I wish we had someone, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is doing a good job of shagging punts um, and not making mistakes with them. And that's good. That's great. Um, but I, I wish we had a little bit of a threat in that area too. So, so, you know, it's, it, it is nice to see Jerome Ford. I mean, this is, this is probably a running back that we expect that we're going to see a lot of next year. Um, so getting him back from his inner injury and having him make an impact is a big deal too. All right, my man. Well, I think we've probably beat this horse about as much as we can um, without going down a a whole nother path of frustration. But, um, you know, it just like we've been saying all season long, got to turn the page. NFL waits for no man. So we've got to move along and, and start looking at our next game. So um, I will uh, close out this episode um i i think you're you're going to be coming back with me later this week to kind of talk our preview of our next game aren't you aren't you hanging out with me all week this week yeah definitely awesome all right so we will definitely come back here a little bit later in the week with our preview of the 
Browns versus Tampa Bay game where with the Buccaneers coming into town. Um, and then also later on this week, we will have our picks for the week as well. So hopefully all of you out there uh, get a chance to listen in. Uh, as always, you can check us out on our webpage at www.cardiologyclee. That's cardiology with a K, C-L-E dot com. And also on your favorite streaming services, you can check us out on Amazon, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. So for Gary, um, for all of the frustrated Browns fans out there, let's see if we can shake this one off um, and hopefully get at least one win under our belts um, before the whole season changes again. So um, everybody take it easy out there, and we will talk to you again soon. <laughs>